Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. So I thought about all those people and I was like, man, maybe I can write something. I can do something that can help other people who are going through this right now. The same position I'm in. And also I, I knew that people would also be coming behind me who, you know, they may still be in school. They, they may still have a business right, right now, but eventually they're going to become a free agent. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Welcome to another episode of The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. Um, you know, I, I want to take this time to thank all my listeners, all my subscribers um, for the support and the love. I love getting emails and getting phone calls from, from, from folks all over the world just telling me the impact that the show is having on them. And it's, it, it's very humbling. So... Uh, thank you. I want to take this time to thank you all. And still, if you haven't yet, I want you to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, it's it's it'll be great if you can do that for me. If you like the show, but uh, anyway, I want to get on to our guest. His name is Rennie Curran. Rennie played linebacker at the University of Georgia. He from there he went on to play in the NFL. And played in Canada as well. But along his way, he wasn't just, he didn't, he never thought of himself just as a football player. He wanted more out of his, out of his life. And he, he ended up, while he was still playing, he wrote a book. Matter of fact, he wrote two books. 
And um, he took the time to really ask himself some deep questions on who he wanted to be. He knew he, he, knew he wasn't just all about a f- being a football player, but what type of impact he wanted to have on the people around him. And he was never the one to kind of shy away from, you know, from people. He loved learning things from different types of people, no matter what the background was. And uh, he has a great story. His his parents are immigrants from Liberia. And with that, he learned um, about his culture and what passions that he had and, and the type of um, pursuit or type of mindset that he was going to have to have to achieve all those all those goals and aspirations. Um, but he has some he has some great tips for people who are learning something new and how to make the most out of out of their opportunities and how to really be a student of whatever you're trying to get after. So um, have a listen. It's going to be a good one. Rennie, my man, how you doing, man? Hey, first of all, man, thank you for being uh, a guest on the Shark Effect. I'm super excited to, uh, you know, to talk to you again and then for others to hear a little bit about your story, my man. But thank you for being a guest. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, It's great to connect with you once again. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Hey, tell my listeners a little bit about you, my man. Yeah, so uh, really when it comes to my story and, and just me overall, I love starting my story out and uh, telling people about myself through uh, my foundation, which starts with my parents, uh, who were both Liberian immigrants, came to the United States around the early 1980s. My mom came here on scholarship to Emory to get a master's in nursing uh, here in Atlanta, where I'm based out of. My father came and he... Uh, used to work for the Liberian government, but in order to just really find his way and provide for us, he uh, went the path of entrepreneurship and uh, bought into a shoe repair franchise after he developed that skill and was able to help not only our family, but a lot of our family that was back home in Liberia. Um, and during this time, there was a civil war going on. So that was a lot of my earliest uh, experiences was seeing the sacrifices that they made, the leadership that they uh, exemplified, and just the selflessness that they uh, displayed as well, man. And so um, during that time, being the youngest of three, the only boy, uh, you know, I, I really, really tried to just learn as much as I could from them. And I took every lesson that I learned, the values on uh, with me onto the football field. When I started at the age of 10 years old, we moved to Gwinnett County. That's where I met my little league coach. He took me to my first University of Georgia game. That's where I learned all the fundamentals. Um, had an amazing team, man. And from there, that's where my dream really started. Uh, when I went to the University of Georgia game for the first time and uh, just saw the sea of red and black, the, the 98,000 fans, and just fell in love with the atmosphere and just the game. And that took me on a, a whole new trajectory. Um, I had done some other things, was a musician as well, but that was the thing that really stuck with me and was able to achieve my dreams, man, uh, after overcome, overcoming lots of adversity, you know, no no journey is is without uh, different dips and turns and different things like that. But was able to overcome being labeled undersized as a linebacker. Um, my family not how having. How tall are you? You know, Randy, great, how tall are you? Uh, I'm five eleven. So five five eleven, okay. and you know, coming out that time, I was like five ten and a half. You know, whatnot. Uh, going through the recruiting process, I was like five nine, five ten and a half, and, and was luckily able to hit that that mark. <laughs> but I uh, was able to do just enough, man. Just just really turn myself into a machine. 
in high school. I left high school benching 425, squatting 515, cleaning 320. Like some of those yeah, records still stand. man weight right there. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I, was, I killed myself, man, and, and really just tried to set myself apart in any way possible through my mindset, through my leadership abilities, um, through my effort, you know, uh, and, and just really um, was able to leave there, man, um, one of the top linebackers in the state of Georgia. Uh, with a very, very talented class. We had uh, guys like Cam Newton was in my class, Eric Berry, so many talented guys, man. Uh, was able to go to University of Georgia, start as a true freshman, you know, taking that same mentality, that same work ethic, and uh, become a three-time All-American, Buckets War finalist, um, and, and, you know, now Hall of Fame, which is crazy. And I uh, had amazing wow. teammates, amazing coaches, man. And was able to also go to the NFL after my third year. That was my my goal was to leave early so that I could help my family. My daughter was born as well too, my sophomore year. Um, and so once once I got to the NFL, man, things started out great. But as you know, things can can change at any moment, and it did for me uh, after just my my second year. Coaching staff got fired, new staff came in. We had the lockout. They brought in new draft picks and uh, ended up cut uh, getting cut after my second year. So uh, while I was back home for about an eight-month span is when I really started working on my life outside of football by going to workshops, reading a ton of leadership and, and personal development books, and then also meeting with a lot of business leaders, getting a lot of mentors. And that took me on a journey to where uh, I am now. So went on to play with Tampa Bay up in Canada in the CFL. But um, through that experience, man, I really just started to see the game of football through the lens of leadership. Uh, organizational development, teamwork, you know, all those um, really intangibles and transferable skills that apply to the business world. So that's a lot of what I do now uh, as a full-time keynote speaker, author, and a leadership and business coach. I, I've been able to take a lot of those experiences, man, and translate them into the business world in a way that I can provide value. So I deliver presentations, workshops, and one-on-one -on -one coaching, and, and I've been doing that now, along with several other things. I do commentating, uh, have a nonprofit, and, uh, you know, I have a sports startup I'm working on, man. So it's just an exciting time. That's, that's been my journey, man. Just constant growth, you know, uh, focusing on leadership, focusing on performance, my effort, faith, and uh, really just trying to make something out of nothing, you know. And, and like I said, it starts with my parents who came here. So I'm an extension of that. Man, I love that. Yeah, that's dope, man. Um, so there was a couple of things in there, that, you know, when I was listening, um, one that you wasn't, it sounded like you wasn't just a cat that was um, football or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of cats that is just so driven to be the best in football or, or any sport, but they don't really um, have a, a backup plan. Now I'm interested, I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear like, did you, did you have that plan B or was your mindset like, hey, it's all or nothing, I'm going in this route. And then did you start to see like, you know, the true nature of professional uh, sports and you start to, okay, this is not going to yeah. be a long-term deal. I need mm -hmm. to start bettering myself. I need to, you know, be a yeah. sponge in, uh, in other aspects. Yeah, I, I would say it's both, man. Like when I look back on my life now, like uh, starting with my parents, like I said, they came here and their route for opportunity was education. It had nothing to do with sports. You know, they they know anything about college football or anything like that. So that that's what they um, infused and, and planted in, inside of me was just those values and then education 
was their biggest thing. And then my mom was all about exposure as well, too. So she got me into the Boys and Girls Club. You know, she got me uh, uh, piano lessons at the age of eight oh, years old. You know, anything me. to calm me down, man. Yeah, <laughs> would take me to the library a lot. So I already, and, and just learning about even my culture, my Liberian heritage, the fact that my great-grandfather was a chief and, you know, he built his own village. And, and uh, my grandfather was the bishop of the Methodist Church in Liberia. And so there were a lot of just, um, I had a lot of different components to my life, man, to where like football was just that icing on the cake. And uh, it, it just was something that added on, but it wasn't everything. Um, I didn't have the dad who played in the past or that was trying to live vicariously through me or anything like that. And so when it came to the game, man, it, it was just something that I loved, you know, I loved the most. And I tell parents this all the time who ask me, you know, would you let your kids play? And what do you think? I'm like, if, if your child loves that with all their heart, allow them to do it. But if it's just something where they feel pressured or they want to fit in, like, nah, don't, don't allow that to be their MO or like, you know, just something that kind of fulfills their identity or mask that they wear. And so for me, I, I loved it with all my heart. And, you know, I also love music and other things. So one thing I did notice early on as I progressed, man, is that people had a, a certain expectation of me because I was, an athlete because being a black male as well like I was expected to be the funny guy I was expected to you know not uh you know not do ex that well in school different things like that like different stereotypes I, I started to notice and I was very stubborn so I wanted to go against that and so I, I did everything to to try to stand out and to be different to not just be an athlete to not just have that job mentality so like in middle school high school I'm playing in the orchestra. Like I'm one of the few athletes that's in the orchestra that's taking honors classes. That's, you know, just going a different route, man. And, and that started very, very early. Just wanting to be different, not wanting to be what people expected me to be. And that would be a continual trend in my life, man. And, and I think that has a lot to do with just like when I faced that uh, transition moment, how I approached it, you know, I looked at it as an opportunity instead of a challenge. I looked at it like God gave me this time to really build and, I can do something with this. So at the age of 24, I became an author. So, um, you know, once again, just doing something that people don't expect. Um, but at the end of the day, being an athlete, you know, just as much as I do to get to that level, whether it's at a D1 level or a pro level, you got to be locked in. You got to be focused. You got to go hard. So just as much as I tried to be different and, and do things outside the game, I also dedicated myself and, and left everything on the field as well and tried to become the best athlete that I could be. So, I think as long as you have a holistic approach, man, that's the most important thing. Oh, man, I love that. You're dropping some diamonds right there. And, you know, what's interesting sure. is, man, where you're from, right? You in Georgia, mm -hmm. you in the South, that's Southeast. It's a different culture yeah. than it is from where I'm from, whether it's in Colorado or up here in Portland, Oregon mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. Like, like football is a religion mm -hmm. and it gets so much pressure and there's so much that goes into you know these young athletes being told something about the sport and what they're meant right. to do and it starts to become their identity and yeah. from from just listening to you like that wasn't you and it, and it started at home mm -hmm. and you know do you have any i'm sure man being you know NFL locker room playing for Georgia, were there guys that were that were like that? That there was this, you know, football, it was them. They ate, mm -hmm. uh, drank, slept football. 
How was that oh, like? Yeah. And how did you like separate yourself or, you know, um, how did you, how did you kind of navigate that when there was, you know, I don't know if there was a bunch of guys, but if there was some of your yep. close friends that they just had that in them. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it, this started back, you know, long before even getting to the university of Georgia NFL at every level, you see the guys who like either, uh, football is their entire life. Is their, uh, you know, the entire reason for for waking up is, uh, you know, their bread and butter, or it's the guys who they just they just happen to be good at it, but it's their parents uh, that are pushing them, or it's their coach that really want them to be out there. You know, they don't really have that love, but they're big, they're fast, they have the ability, and so by virtue of that, they just they just kind of fall into it, man. And uh, I, I always try to separate myself. Um, just from that side of, you know, being somebody who was just all in with, with football and nothing else uh, by just exposing myself to different people. Like I was one, if you, if you talk to anybody from my high school, from, I mean, from any part of my uh, life, they'll tell you, like, I was a guy who was talking to anybody, any and everybody. I was, I was networking with folks. I was with the nerds. I was with the the gothic kids, like, I didn't care. I, I was cool. Like, even to this day, I go back to my high school. I'm cool with the lunch ladies, the janitors. Like, just uh, keeping an open mind and not just, you know, you see a lot of guys who are like that. They're only around their fellow teammates. Those are their closest friends, and that's who they kind of rock with. And that's – they're just kind of in this bubble. For me, I was I was very, very involved in different things. I was in student council. Like I said, I was a musician. Still am to this day. Still play. And – um you know, I just always try to really, really just expose myself and not just fall into um, just being in that bubble. And, and that was kind of it. That was the first thing I did. Uh, and so I'll say that the second thing that I yeah. really tried to do to not uh, just be kind of that mindset of, of being an athlete was I really just tried to develop myself on a continual basis, especially as I got later on uh, down into my career. Like I, I tried to separate, uh, you know, the, the fame, and just even being liked by fans from the reality, you know, and I think that's one thing we don't do as athletes is separate what we do from who we are. Um, meaning like, and understand, you know, making sure that we understand that just because people are saying, Oh, I love you. Uh, you know, and they're, they're following us and they're liking all our picks. That doesn't necessarily mean that they want to do business with us. Or they care, You know, they even care about us as a human being. And uh, once I started to understand that and was able to separate the two uh, from what I did to, you know, who I am and, and who I eventually want to be, uh, it made things a lot easier in terms of focusing on not just being an athlete. Because I'm, I'm about, you know, who is Rennie Kern um, as a person when he takes his jersey off, uh, when he's not on the field hitting people, who, who is he? What, do you, what are you about? Uh, and then where you want to be at 10 years, 20 years from now. So it really helped me to put a different lens on in terms of how I saw myself and, and how I saw my opportunity. Love that, man. And that's something that a lot of cats, you know, mm -hmm. whether they're, you know, collegiate athletes or yeah. professional, you know, we kind of go through that. You've been doing, mm -hmm. you've been grinding and, you know, you do something for so long. And then when you, um, you reach a certain level and your yeah. platform starts to grow and then it yep. just starts to, pull you more into the if you don't know exactly if you haven't did a a, a deep dive on yourself and who you are mm -hmm. and that's i know that's something that i went through um yeah. 
But yeah, man, it sounds like for you, like you had a bigger, a better understanding of yourself at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's something to be said. Um, so tell me, so um, when did you think about like writing your book? When did that kind of, kind of pop in your head? Was you, was it just one day you having an epiphany? You're just like, man, you know what? I'm mm-hmm. going to write a book. I'm going to share, you know, some of your, some of your learnings. Yeah. Uh, so that was a process in itself, man. And um, we talked about taking that deeper dive of self and just starting to have those revelations, man. That's what really happened uh, during my time as a free agent, which I feel like we all go through that time. You know, when you lose that job, somebody close to you passes away, uh, you leave college and you come back to your parents' house. You know, you, you're just in that time of being in the wilderness, being in the no man's land. Uh, whatever you want to call it, that time of uncertainty. And that that's where I feel like people have, if, if they approach it the right way, they can have their biggest moments of growth and their biggest moments of revelation and, and just understanding of, of, like you said, of self. And so for me, uh, I went through that at, at 22 years old. I tell people now, it's like, I, I went through a midlife crisis at 22 years old, <laughs> uh, 22, 23 years old, man. And uh, I really, really just started, um, you know, number one, just sitting down by myself and just have having a lot of just different thoughts, man, and review, get, got to look over my life leading up to them, man, and, and really um, thinking about, you know, number one, how I was going to use this time. And number two, like, you know, where was I going? You know, so I asked all those questions. What am I, what, what I going to do now? Who am I? You know, all those really deep questions that really help you to tap into to who you are and just um, you know, where you're going and all those things. Um, and so that's when I started just writing. I started just venting. I had no plans of writing a book at all, but I was just writing about just everything I learned up to then, all the different experiences from like, you know, the time when I made it to the league, when my phone was blowing up to uh, learning that that's not really real when I got cut, you know, all, all those different sides of the spectrum from being up and now being down. And, um, you know, that's that's when I really started to understand um, that this was bigger than just this moment. This was bigger than me as I was going through that that realization um, of my experience. I thought about how many other people were going through this and went through this. My own father, when I was in the seventh grade, eighth grade, he lost his business and went through the same exact thing, um, losing friends that he thought that were really there for him or people who he thought was going to support him who all of a sudden went ghost when he didn't have, you know, all those different things, seeing him uh, lose his, his confidence in himself because of the fact that he lost his business. And then, you know, seeing other people who, uh, you know, at, at around that time was like when people, the housing market was down. So a lot of people were losing their finances and going through different things. There were other guys who I went through free agency with who were now cut, who were once up here and now down here. So I thought about all those people and I was like, man, maybe I can write something. I can do something that can help other people who are going through this right now, the same position I'm in. And also I, I knew that people would also be coming behind me who, you know, they may still be in school. They, they may still have a business right, right now, but eventually they're going to become a free agent. And so that's a, that's what the book really talks about. And that's, that's when I um, took the dive, took the, the opportunity to do it. And I, I didn't believe that I could even do it, man. I, I remember several times I would go into a Barnes and Noble and I would walk around and I would look at all the books and, and just think to myself, man, like, you know, can I really do this? Like, and, 
that that kind of gave me the confidence was when I did walk around and I looked at all those different books. And I was like, man, if all these people can write science books and cookbooks and, you know, fiction books, like, why not? You know, why not me? Even yeah. if I am a football player, well, there's somebody out there. If nothing else, Georgia fans are going to want to uh, read this. So that that was kind of my process, man. And from there, once I built up enough confidence, started writing, started watching the YouTube videos, just learning little tips here and there. Started reading some uh, some other books just to get some ideas, and um, yeah, just just took the chance and, and met with the publisher and, and grew it from there. Look at that! What are some um, you know talking about your book? What are some foundational principles that you that you share in your book? Man, so I, I cover uh, a lot of just what I feel like you you truly realize when you're in those moments of uncertainty, when you're in your valley moments. Um, so, for example, like a lot of us, our, our self-confidence, our self-motivation, um, you know, all those things are derived by um, things that are fleeting. So if you look at a lot of people that where they derive their self-confidence from is usually from their job or, you know, their ability to bring in income, uh, a relationship. You know, they just got married and whatnot. I see that a lot with, with those around my generation. Once they get married, boy, they turn into a whole new person. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that relationship with, with a significant other and life is, you know, they, the way they see themselves, everything is up here. Um, it could be, you know, even education. Right. Somebody gets that Ph.D. or they get the master's and now they feel like they're up here. Can't nobody tell them nothing or they get that position in the organization, whatever the case may be, our uh, self-confidence, self-motivation, our, our self-esteem is derived by something that's fleeting, that can be uh, taken away at any time. And so in the book, I talk about what is true self-confidence. You know, when you take away all those things that I just mentioned, you know, one of the principles of navigating being a free agent and coming out on that other side of uncertainty and being a better version of yourself is developing true self-confidence. So when you're a free agent, when you take away the job title, when you take away the money and take away the relationship, um, understanding that like having uh, the importance of true self-confidence, that's what's really going to make you who you are. That's what's really going to take you to the next level. Um, you know, that that's that's one of the things that I cover, man, in, in the book. Choose uh, self-discipline, uh, self-control and discipline. I talk about humility and pride, like just all those different intangible assets that will help you during that time when you're facing adversity or, or a time of uncertainty that will really help you you know, when you come out on the other side and it's not just when you're down, right. It's, it's when you're in a position of success that a lot of these things come into play. Cause I'm sure you've seen it, man. So many people who they achieve success, they get to that level that they want, but because they don't have, like I said, they don't have the true self-confidence. They don't have humility. They don't have true faith, right. They lose themselves. And so um, that's a lot of uh, what I talk about in the book It's just things that will help you uh, from a holistic standpoint. Mm, I love that. That's good, man. Um, yeah. When was there a time like in your life when you was growing up, when you were heading down one path and then mm. something something happened? It could be like when you got cut or released um, and then you started to look at yourself another way or you took another another path. When there, was there something yeah, that happened? Well, it could be an injury. I know, you know, for me, it was an injury. It was another time, like when yeah. my first time getting cut and I was like, well, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. for me, so man, a lot of those. Time? 
Yeah, a lot of those moments happen very early in my life. And uh, when I when I think about my life, it's like a movie. You got those crucial moments that happen, those those transcending moments. And I'd say one of the uh, early moments for me was my seventh grade year. And now that I'm a speaker that, you know, I go into middle schools and and I can see it now. I, I can see different kids who are in the same position that I was. And for me, it was that time in my life uh, around my preteen, 12, 13, 14, where I'm trying to really understand my identity as a young black male. I'm watching, you know, Fresh Prince, Will Smith, Fresh Prince. I'm watching like all these different shows and they're telling me who I should be, you know, indirectly. Um, when, you, when you're watching those things and you're seeing the guy who gets the girl, you know, the guy who's the funny guy, um, you know, you're watching 007 and he has a different chick every time, like every movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like you're getting all these different mixed messages that are telling you like what a man should really be. And even though my, you know, my father's in my life, he was working a lot. And then my father didn't have his father in his life. Like he didn't meet his dad till he was like, um, like around the age I am now. And so wow. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to navigate learning who I am. And I found myself on the bad end of the spectrum. Like I was trying to be the funny guy, I was, you know, trying to talk in class, trying to pass the love letters. I, I tell people all the time, the only time I like writing back then was if I was trying to get a girl's number and passing her <laughs> love letter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I ended up going to summer school, man. And, um, you know, I was a smart kid. I knew deep down inside, like I come from a good home, fam- family educated. Like, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a funny guy. Like, I, I was just trying to put on this persona to fit in, to be accepted, to have some uh, sense of self-worth, right? And so ended up at summer school, and I spent the whole summer with teacher Miss Finnegan. And even before summer school, man, Miss Finnegan was somebody, along with a few other teachers, that she was always just speaking life into me, man. She was always just saying, Rennie, like, you're, you're a really smart kid. Like, you don't, you don't have to be the funny guy like you don't have to do this you can be you're a leader like you you're different you don't have to be like everybody else and I would go and sit with another administrator uh if I got kicked out of class or whatever and they would kind of say the same things and during that summer uh, school time we spent the whole summer together and she continued to do that continue to do that man and that light bulb just clicked for me where I just I, I was like man I found myself I was in the principal's office and I was like man why am I even in here like being a funny guy, being cool is not getting me anywhere. And that light bulb switch. And I was like, man, maybe I just do need to be a good kid. Just need to smile more. Just need to have a good attitude. Just need to try a little bit more. And no lie, I went from um, that seventh grade year, I went from like that class clown, ladies man type to eighth grade. I, I uh, became class president. Grades mm. switched around, like just complete uh, 360 turnaround, man. And, and that built that momentum into high school. And I still had those moments in high school where I still wanted to, to find my way. But overall, I always like lean back on just the fact that, you know, I could be different. I didn't have to be like everybody else. I didn't have to try to fit in. And uh, I didn't have to try to be cool. I could be myself and I could, you know, excel and become the best version of myself and that it was okay. And uh, so, yeah, I think about that all the time. Mm, yeah. Man, it's just, you know, when you're talking, I was like, man, yeah, when you're trying to, you know, figure out like who you are, how you mm-hmm. want to, you know, influence or whatever. And a lot of us, we, you know, we get that 
information from like what we hear or what we watch on TV. And we think that that's, right. okay, I want to be cool. That's how mm -hmm. I want to, I guess that's how cool kids do it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So tell me, man, what, like leadership. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's, it, it, I mean, it's so broad, right? So broad, right. but I like to, I like to boil things down, man. What is, what is leadership to Rennie Curran? Man, uh, you know, I, I totally agree with what you just said about how it's so broad and, and is uh, in, in some senses it's super broad. And then in other areas, like when you look at leadership from a organizational uh, development or, or, you know, on that corporate side, like leadership is so <laughs> complex. Like the, people try to have all these different frameworks and all these different models and all these different uh, software leadership styles, right? Yeah, leadership, leadership styles. styles. Like it's, yeah, it's so broad, but then in other areas, it's, it's so complex and so confusing and it just makes your head spin. And for me, I'm on that uh, leadership that's just in the simplest form, man. Uh, of course, people say that leadership is just influence. And I truly believe that, man, that it, it really is literally influence, but even influence can be something that you think of that's so big, right? And so drastic. Like you think of influence and some people think of Martin Luther King or, uh, you know, just the, those heavy, heavy leaders, but literally influence is just getting somebody, I, I believe, to just think differently or getting somebody to, to just read something or getting somebody to just think about something a different way or um, change their mindset, change their attitude towards something. Like to me, that's influence in the simplest way. And if you're doing that for somebody, uh, you're a leader. And I think a lot of us don't realize that. And if we did truly realize the importance of that and how, how simple it is to be a leader, I think a lot of people would approach what they do a lot differently. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the musician who comes out with a song. That's the, the parent, right. Who's trying to, to raise their child. That's the, the teacher. That's the principal. That's the, the, you know, anybody and everybody, the, you know, the janitor, the lunch lady, uh, if they understood how simple, um, and how powerful influence is, they would change what they do. And I think about it all the time, like being a father, because I, I think nothing teaches you how to be a leader better than being a parent. Uh, just seeing my daughter, man, and, and now she's 12 years old. She's starting to, de to develop her own identity and, and walk her own path. And, you know, I understand that the examples I show her, the way that I live my life, the things that I say, um, things that I do, whether it's the things that I tweet, how I treat people, how I handle conflict, all those things are creating a blueprint for her, uh, for her on, you know, how a man handles things, how a man approaches a woman. Uh, all, all those things and, and you know, just knowing that I could say one thing, I could do one thing that could really change the trajectory of her life uh, is it, powerful when I look at it like that. So I'm always constantly thinking about who I am as a person uh, as it relates to, to my daughter. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some of my thoughts. Absolutely. On Absolutely, man. I, I think the more we can be intentional with leading mm -hmm. and, and, and leading is not just or influence. I mean, it is influence, and I, I totally agree with you on that. But it's like a lot of people, they get it to where it's, you know, you can just influence one way. When really you can right. lead people, you can lead people away from you. Exactly. Case in point. Right. Like my dad, right? 
My dad, mm-hmm. drill sergeant, tough as nails, wasn't a whole bunch of uh, hugs and kisses and I love yous. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I know he loved me and whatnot, but he influenced me to treat my kids right. totally opposite. And I'm sure there's mm-hmm. other there's other things out there like with peer pressure, right? A lot right. of people, whether it's in high school or in college, sh- shoot, man, I, I got peer pressure when I was in the NFL, in the locker room, trying to keep it mm-hmm. up with the Joneses, right? Right, <laughs> And so right, right. you can, yeah, so you can start to get pushed away from people. So leadership, right, right, right. yeah, leadership is, you know, it goes both ways. Cause I, I believe like in, in foundations, can it be the same way in an NFL mm-hmm. locker room as it is at home, as it is in a, in a boardroom? And so yeah. I think just people just, you know, leadership is everywhere. It's super important. Yeah. You see it every day. It's on the TV right. when you're watching commercials, you know, mm-hmm. when somebody's trying to sell you something. Right. We, yeah, we're influenced by the biggest thing you know, you know, when I really look at it, we're influenced by how we feel, intuition. Mm-hmm. And I understand it now, man, I'm influenced by character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, like who, who you are. That's what I'm influenced by. I'm influenced mm-hmm. also by, you know, how, you know, how you communicate. Um, I'm influenced by right. relationships. Yeah. You know, the reason why I'm talking to you right now. Right? It's, right. It's, it's relationships. And so um, it's just a lot of a lot of people that they, they just think that if you, especially like in the corporate world where you get mm-hmm. this title, right, the right. manager or the director, and then you're automatically the leader. Right. That's right. the same thing. That's the same thing like on a football team, like they pick the team captains mm-hmm. and he's the captain because he had the best uh, football game last week, or he's the hardest worker, or he's, you know, he made all the touchdowns. When really that same person can be a terrible character. Right, right, right. He doesn't communicate. We've seen it. Cats who, you know, don't talk a whole bunch, Mm -hmm. but yet we put ready for it. So a lot of yeah. folks, they just don't understand like how important that is. It's not about, and ability is another influencer. And it's not just about your ability because if you have tremendous ability, but your character is not where it needs to be, or you don't yeah. know how to communicate and you're not willing to make those relationships, you made those relationships. It's something right. I wish I would have did. I wish I would have spoke with everybody when I was in high school. Right. Talk to, you know, the offensive linemen, people who are different from me. And I get mm-hmm. to learn more about where they're from and how they yeah. how they navigate. Yeah, so. you're exactly right. And I, I love to hit more on that, man. I, I really do believe like that's one of the problems with with uh, leadership. One of the biggest issues I see is that we're using the wrong metric for success. Yes, you know, absolutely. You, you kind of touched on it, man. Like companies do it all the time. Like you said, they they see this high performer who's doing well individually and they put them on the track to become that, that leader, um, whether it's of, of, um, you know, their specific team or within their organization. And like you said, they don't have those people skills. They don't have empathy. (laughs) They don't have humility. Like (laughs) they don't have emotional intelligence. And it's like, when they get to that leadership position, it just causes so many problems. And then, like you said, I, I think people don't, don't realize how simple it is and where that, 
that's on the good side or on the bad side. Like I, I was definitely uh, put on the right track by guys who did it the wrong way. You know, like because you can learn, saying, right? You can. Oh you yeah. Can learn. You can learn how to do stuff by watching somebody in front of you. I'm sure playing, you know, playing football. You watch guys right. do things wrong. You're like, well, I'm not gonna oh, do it yeah. that way. Yeah, you see a guy get ran over. It's like, yeah, see a guy get ran over. He's playing too high. It's like, all right, I already know what's gonna happen if I do this. So there you go. Yeah, that that uh, seeing seeing and feeling bad leadership is just as important as as good leadership, man. I I I did as you probably did, man. Played for some coaches that man. I don't know how they became coaches, you know, because they just weren't good human beings. Like they just hey, I take make you feel relationships. Relationships. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. It is about relationships, man. But yeah, always. And I think that's an important part about leadership, too. If you want to be a good leader, just remember all the bad experiences that you had of bad leadership. You know, whether it was your, your parent who didn't quite do it right or is that coach or that boss, you know, and, and be that leader that you wish you had. Absolutely. And I think another thing, a big point, is like, man, a principle that I live by is like, man, leadership starts, it starts at the top, but yeah. you have to, at the top, you have to be the one that creates relationships underneath you. It can't be mm -hmm. like from me trying to go up and talk to, you know, the manager, director, the boss or whatever. It should, that relationship be built from the top down. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it was, right. um, it was something small, but when I was doing, uh, I was consulting at Jordan brand, and mm -hmm. I was in the, you know, I was in the office and whatnot. And um, all of a sudden, Michael Jordan appeared. <laughs> and he uh, went, and when he, he only comes on campus, Nike's campus, once in a blue moon, maybe once every year. But he makes it a point to go and shakes everybody's hand in that building. Wow. Right? It starts to, and it's just, man, he's just going there. Hey, appreciate what you're doing. Shaking everybody's mm -hmm. hand. That, that meant a lot to me, man, when I was, yeah. That's but, amazing. Um, and that, yeah, that's right. one thing, yeah, that, that's one thing that, you know, makes me think about another principle I truly believe when it comes to leadership is that it's a process, you know, and I'm sure like when, my, when MJ started, he wasn't at that point, you know, where he was doing things like that, but he continually built just, and I, I always use the analogy of going in the weight room, you know, and staying in the weight room. Um, because there's a lot of, of leaders out there who, you know, they do great things like that, uh, whether it's how they greet people, how they connect, um, the camaraderie, the relationships that they build. But then as they rise as leaders, they stop doing those things. They, they get out of the, the weight room. They forget about the process of, of being a leader, of, of a great leader, and they, they lose themselves, man. Um, and so I think that's an important aspect of, of leadership, too, is people understanding that it's not just you get here and all of a sudden you're a, a good leader. You got to focus on continual improvement, whether that's your, your character uh, or whether that's how you approach conflict, you know, how you approach change. Um, all, all those things are, are so important um, when it comes to that mindset of leadership. Mm, look at that. Man, tell me a little bit about like your environment. You know what I'm saying? Like when you were, let's say like in college. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we all have different, environments that we kind of come into did you go into an environment where it was everything was like peaches and cream everything was you know locked in or was you like ah, i don't know if i want to hang with this with this group mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying with, you know with the cats over here 
I want to go a, another way. And then was it, how, how was it like um, past college in terms mm. of like your environment? Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So, in, so in college, man, that, that environment is like, it's only so much you can do, right. To control it because your time is always controlled when you're in college. So <laughs> you talk about you wake up, you got an early morning workout, 6, 7 a.m., then you got to go to study hall, then you got to, you know, you got to go to class, then you got to go lunch, then you got to go right back to the, the uh, uh, film room, you know, weight room, practice. Um, so there's really a limited amount of time that you really could be away from your teammates. But, um, you know, I always, one thing I try to do is always try to surround myself with those guys who are veterans, those guys who I could look to and uh, emulate my game, my, my game and my life off the field after. And I definitely wasn't perfect, right? Like I, I had my times where I was trying to chase, you know, chase the girls and, and just uh, have fun and all those different things. But I, I made sure I had those guardrails in place. So I, I only went so far. And then one thing I always did um, as well that was super important to me. And, and one of the biggest reasons why I went to the University of Georgia was because I was also close to home. So where, my, where I grew up, where my family was, Snellville is only 45 minutes away. And so um, sometimes I just needed to get away and get by what was familiar to me. And, you know, that's my, my family life, you know, those values, um, being able to go back to church, the church that I grew up in, just staying connected to what was real. Because Athens, like a lot of college towns, is like this little bubble, right, that you're in where you can very easily forget reality. <laughs> and so I would come mm -hmm. back home, man, and when I, it didn't matter how big my name was, man. When I come back home, I'm, you know, Rennie Jr. <laughs> I'm washing dishes. I'm taking out the trash. <laughs> I'm going back to church yeah, with. That's what I'm you know, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, humble beginnings, man. I always had that, that uh, balance, man. And, and that was so important for me because when things got crazy, whether it's good or bad, I always had some sense of stability that I could go back to that uh, really, really helped me, especially from a mental health standpoint, because it's, it's a lot to manage. People don't realize like when you're in that, especially, at a D1 college, at a University of Georgia, out of Florida, just how much pressure you're under trying to balance being a student athlete, but then also being just a person and, and handle fame and recognition at 18, 19 years old, when you don't even understand yourself and your brain, <laughs> your brain isn't even fully developed. So you got to have that support system, man. And that, that will continue on when I was in the league as well, too, because when you add that money, then it, it, it definitely just throws in a whole new component. Not only when you have the money, but you got to now become a CEO of your own company and have the agent and the financial advisor and, and all those different uh, aspects of it, man. And, and uh, it's, it's cool when you got the paychecks coming in, but when you get cut, it, it's, yeah, it gets real. It gets really, really real. Mm. And uh, that's when, you know, all those things matter, man, who you have in your circle, your environment, you know, being able to connect with those people from your past that really, really, have your best interests and see you beyond just what you did on the field. Um, so that, that, that was a lot of my experience, man. Just, just the support system, um, having genuine connections and relationships and, and yeah, just continue trying to work on myself. What is like one or two tips? You can even go three, but what is some tips that, mm -hmm. that um, collegiate athletes when they when they're in school or they're about to finish what are some tips that you can give them 
to be able to have like success after their sport, whether they're, they're finished after college or they go off and they play professional football. You got any like nuggets of information that you would, man, if it, let's say like a junior right now or a senior was listening to this mm -hmm. podcast, what type of tips could you give them? Yeah, I mean, this is a mantra that I live by and that I, I use in a lot of my, uh, my messages that I deliver, but it's operate at the level of your vision. That's, that's what I would tell them, operate at the level of your vision, which means, you know, number one, you have to have a vision, right? So number one, where do you want to be at 10 years, 20 years from now? What does that look like uh, specifically, right? What, what type of job do you want to have? What, uh, what quality of life do you want to have? What does your family look like? Like all those things, really, really getting clear on that. Uh, and then from there, I always believe you got to peel back the layers. Like if you, if you really say you want to be at this level, when I have this type of job, when I have this type of family, what does that look like from a habits and mannerism and mindset uh, standpoint? So, and even your, your, your daily interactions, right? What type of, uh, what, you know, I can break it down to even what, what time in the morning do I need to be waking up? If I say I want to be at that CEO or that pro level, you know, five, 10 years from now, what time, what time do I need to be wake, waking up in the morning? How do I need to approach the film room? How, do, how hard do I need to go on the field? How hard do I need to go in the classroom? What type of people do I need to be connecting with? What type of YouTube videos do I need to be watching? You know, once you can understand that, that's that's when you can start operating at that level of your vision of where you say you want to be. And I believe if you can tr truly grasp that concept and live it out to where you're operating at the level of a CEO, even though, you know, or the level of a pro, even though you're still in your junior year in college, it's only going to be a matter of time before you get there and, and before you make that a reality. And that's, that's something that I've lived, man. I, I've seen it with my own eyes, how even when I got to university of Georgia, I was, you know, I was the short linebacker. Nobody expected me to do anything, but you know, about two, two months, three months in after I made up my mind, man, I, I just told myself that I'm going to operate at the level of a starter, even though, even though I may never be a starter. Right. And so I started getting in the film room by myself in the weight room, putting on extra 20, 30 extra pounds, you know, started just, I, I would literally be on the field, bro, like behind the starting defense. I'll be 20 yards behind them uh, just as their shadow, just moving when the place, when the play snap, just following their every move, getting not, not just mental reps, but getting like real reps. <laughs> and uh <laughs> eventually like seven eight weeks passed and i got my opportunity man and, and i was ready and was able to make some some huge plays and some big games and uh and people were just like man where did he come from where do you who is this guy this short linebacker from snellville not knowing that i had been doing the work man weeks before i, I had you know kept the faith man and, and was 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 dedicated man to to continue to progress myself and and believe regardless of my circumstances, even when the coaches didn't acknowledge me. And this is something that I hope my listeners are, are pulling, you know, pulling back the, the layers of it, that those same principles that, you know, you just heard Rennie on the football field is you can apply to any part of your life. Yes. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping, you know, my listeners pick that up. Rennie, how can my listeners get more of you, man? You got a website. Can you, you know, spill the beans about your social media? I'm going to have all of it on my show notes, but I want to, my folks to hear from you. For sure. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, Rennie Current. 
Com. I got all the information about me and videos and all that good stuff. And then also I'm very active on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, it's all at Rennie Curran. So definitely follow, follow me, reach out to me, DM me. If I can ever help any of you listeners, man, I'll be more than happy to. And, and my listeners, you know, if they wanted to, you know, bring you out to speak, you have all your information right there. They can reach out to you, email or whatever. Yes, I guess sir. you already got it all. But they can DM you. They can email you. Go to your website. Um, and is your yeah. book, is your book information, is that on your website as well? Or do we got to go somewhere else? It is, or? yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you want to order an autographed copy or anything like that, definitely hit up the website. Um, and, and you can go to the shop and, and order that. And I'll send you, be glad to send you an autographed copy of Free Agent or my other children's book, What Does It Take to Be a Star? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, hey, Rennie, it's been a pleasure. I got to have you on again, my man. I got to have you on again because we can, I mean, there were so, uh, uh, so many other directions I could have taken this, but I wanted to... Um, you know, yeah. the, the real pull the, the meat from the bone on this one. But man, thank you very much for being a, a guest on the Shark Effect, my man. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for it's for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced i have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment alignment and adjustment um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know that covers topics that that resonate with athletes but i think overall this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new something different okay so make sure check it out amazon the ultimate playbook for high achievement.